Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for the testimonies of your people, Heavenly Father, as they are praises to your name and praises of your faithfulness. Praises to you who, who are the God that is with us and loves us and carries us and provides what is good for us. You being the one that defines what is good, not us. And though we kick and scream sometimes, you're very gracious to us and we thank you. We thank you for your, your love and your care for us. And for the confidence that we have that no matter what happens in this life, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, we have such reason to rejoice and be thankful to you. And I just pray that uh, that will increase in 2019. Now, as we turn, your, turn our attention to looking at your word, I pray for your help in communicating it. Do in our hearts and minds what you want to do. Help us, each one of them, to be just open to you, to receive what you would have to share with us through your word. Change us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring us and draw us closer to you through your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I had a little problem with our minivan. Um, one of our headlamps went out. Okay? And in wanting to change the bulb, on the, the low-beam head, head headlight bulb on the uh, car, wanting to change that, uh, I was thinking about, well, it's getting to be winter now. The darkness hours, hours of darkness are longer. Like when I'm driving home from work, it's already dark. So I wasn't happy with the, the uh, bulbs. The one had burned out. The other one was pretty dim anyway. So I wanted to change both of them, which you're supposed to do at the same, at, make them match anyway, I understand. So uh, I decided I need to get this done. And so... I happened to be uh, at Walmart one day, and I decided this is going to be the beginning of my quest to get this done. (laughs) This is the way my brain works. You know, one task here. I got a job to do. So I'm in there, and I think, I wonder if Walmart has an automotive section with light bulbs, you know, for your car in it. And I went over, and I discovered that happily they do actually have... um, bulbs for headlamps in Walmart, at least in the Walmart in Locust, North Carolina, they have that. And so I looked and I looked for what I wanted and no, it wasn't there. So I went out of Walmart and went to the next available auto parts store, which happened to be Napa. And I went into Napa and I looked up and down the store and I looked for what the bulbs that I wanted for my headlamp, for the lamp. And no, not there. So I talked to the guy, and he didn't seem to know what I was talking about. I'm sure most Napa workers are excellent, but this particular man had no idea what I was, I was wanting. So I left there, 
And I went to the next available auto parts store, which happened to be O'Reilly Auto Parts. And I went in there and thank the Lord. There were people who actually listened to me <laughs> in there and they had the bulbs that I was looking for. So yay, I replaced them. And I mean, that's just a, a, a short kind of silly example of a mission that I was on um, and wanted to accomplish it. Uh, some, sometimes when, we, when we're after something, no matter how difficult or easy it may be, it requires a bit of persistence. And that's a very small amount of persistence. And thankfully, the Lord didn't have to require me to exercise any more patience than that. But persistence in seeking out what we're after. You know, if we deem that our, the, the, the goal of what we're after is worth the price that we have to pay, no matter how hard or how difficult it may be, then we're going to go after it, right? If it's worth it, we're going to do it. It's really all about motivation, is it not? If we're motivated enough, we'll pay just about any price that we have to, do anything that we have to do, go through whatever we have to go through, no matter how long it takes or no matter what obstacles are in the way, because it's worth it to do it. And that persistence will be there. So if I was to ask you this morning, what falls into that category for you? What is one thing that you would stop at nothing to get? What's one thing that would, you would just do whatever it takes, no matter how long, no matter how difficult the journey, however long it takes, what's, what would top your list of that? You don't have to answer that. But in the passage of Scripture that we're going to read this morning, and I invite you to look it up or look as it gets projected on the screen, the passage of Scripture is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. And in this passage of Scripture, through God's inspired words to King Solomon, which come to us, God is telling us, in no uncertain terms, I want you to put wisdom on the top of that list. I want you to put wisdom on that list, the top of the list, of I'll do anything it takes to get that. Whatever persistence is needed, put wisdom at the top of the list. So let's read this passage of Scripture. Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, 
and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Blessed. I don't think it's really all that difficult to grasp the the main point of this passage. It's pretty clear in the poetic language that we find throughout the book of Proverbs. God is saying, put wisdom there on the top of your list of things that you want to go after. Wisdom sounds pretty good, right? If you read that passage. I mean, we're talking about more profitable than investments of silver and gold. Better than any jewels you may have. Long life in one hand, riches and honor in the other. I'd say, hey, not a bad deal. Wisdom sounds pretty good. In fact, I might say, I think God might be saying, I should set my sights. I might want to consider setting my sights on pursuing wisdom at just about any cost here. Basically, that's the point of this passage. It's pretty simple. I'm not going to spend time this morning going through the passage in a kind of detailed way describing all the images and poetic metaphors and similes and all these wonderful things that are in there. Um, not because it's not wouldn't be profitable, but uh, I think that the If we do that, then my message becomes more like a lecture on Hebrew poetry, and you probably don't really want that, Um, besides Ethan. I know he would love that. So instead, we're going to be talking about where we intersect with, where we connect with this passage. And I think where we connect mostly with this passage um, is really in the area of our motivation. It's really in, do we, are we really convinced that uh, wisdom is worth pursuing? That's where we want to look. Um, God is really, through his, through his word here, his inspired, holy, written word, God is really Encouraging isn't the right word, but he is beckoning us to do something quite remarkable here. He's really calling to us to orient our life, our lives, around the search and the pursuit of wisdom. Okay? So if you and I, I don't know about you, but me, if I'm going to do that, I need some reasons why I should do that. Why is it... and you know, what's the benefit of doing that? Well, we can see it in the poetic language there, but still, I don't know, it just seems kind of out there. So what we're going to do, what I'd like to do this morning, is first of all, we need to understand what wisdom in the Bible really is. Before we move any further with this, we need to be reminded of, because Pastor Matt has preached from Proverbs before, but I needed the reminder as I studied this, and I think you probably do too, what wisdom actually is so that we can know what is it that God is actually wanting us to pursue. So we pursue the right thing and not pursue something else that we think 
God is talking about here. So first of all, we're going to look at what wisdom actually is. And then I want to uh, bring up and raise some objections that I think we might have against actually doing what God tells us to do here, and that is to pursue wisdom at just about any cost. So there are four objections that I want to raise But before we get to that, let's look back and figure out and be reminded what is biblical wisdom? What is it that God wants us to be pursuing here? It's pretty simple, clear cut. Wisdom, according to the Bible, is the ability to make godly choices. I'll say it again. Wisdom is... According to the Bible, wisdom is the ability to make godly choices. There there was a lot of wisdom in the ancient world. Uh, What I mean by that is there was a lot of wisdom literature in the civilizations that surrounded the nation of Israel, even at the time when Solomon wrote this. And there was a lot of wisdom literature in Eastern civilizations throughout the Orient. And aside from the literature itself, there was a lot of uh, wise men, people, counselors. There was a whole class of people in many cultures that were advisors to kings. And uh, these were basically people who were counselors, wise men, who were to bring forth how to make appropriate decisions and advise kings and rulers and leaders. We find, well, what I'm saying is wisdom literature and the idea of wisdom is not a unique thing just to the Bible. And there are many good wisdom sayings out there. But there there, there are certain things about biblical wisdom that are unique to the message of the Bible. And one of those things... It is the focus on godliness, godly choices. Within that, what we find is within biblical wisdom that God is actually the source of wisdom. God himself is the source of wisdom. You don't find that in the other wisdom literature. We don't have to look very far even within Proverbs itself, but throughout the whole scriptures, Uh, to see that God is the source of wisdom. In chapter 2 of the book of Proverbs, verses 5 to 7, it says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. God is the source of all wisdom. If we go to the New Testament, in the book of James, we find a lot about wisdom. We find a lot of talk about the topic of wisdom. And James has this interesting comparison in chapter 3 in that book where he compares what he calls the wisdom from above, which is the wisdom that God gives, He compares that, or excuse me, he contrasts that with the wisdom that he says is earthly. These are his exact words. Earthly, 
unspiritual, even demonic, James says. So James, New Testament, recognizes that God is the source of true wisdom, but there are other sources and there are other quote-unquote wisdoms out there. The unique thing, or one major unique thing about the Bible and wisdom is that God is its source. And now another thing about biblical wisdom is that, and, it, and the unique thing is that it is grounded or founded in a re- knowing God relationally. And that, we know, can only happen through a faith relationship in Jesus Christ. And the wisdom that comes through knowing God relationally comes from having, uh, having your life committed and fully trusting in this God. It comes from acknowledging that God alone is the sovereign ruler of the universe, and you are not. It comes from making his word your full trust and placing your life in a full commitment to him, placing your life under the full authority of this God and his word in whom you trust. We know, many of us know Proverbs 3, verse 5. You could quote that with me. It begins, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Same chapter that we're in here with our passage. Biblical wisdom is grounded in, a, in, a relate, in knowing God relationally. And that's not, I don't, I'm not talking about knowing God, like knowing about God. Like you can put facts about God down on a, an exam. I'm talking about knowing God relationally. Knowing him the way I know my wife or Kathy or Tom, knowing him as a person, that's what is the basis of biblical wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3 again, verse 7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. There's this relationship of fear, respect, reverence for the Lord. And the final element in biblical wisdom that makes it unique from any other wisdom that's out there is that is its goal, its purpose, its its final uh, object or purpose, and that is to please God, to honor God, to glorify His name. See the the object or the end purpose of biblical wisdom isn't just I'm going to get really smart and get ahead in life. The biblical object of wisdom is to praise God, to honor God, to glorify God with the choices that we make in life. Did you know that your choices have the ability to please or not please God? And God is very interested in the choices that we make. Now, contrast this picture of biblical wisdom with one who operates in life not according to biblical wisdom, but operates according to worldly wisdom. Now, the Bible has a word for the person who operates according to worldly wisdom. Anybody know what that is? Proverbs uses it many times. 
It's the word, it's, it's the word fool. A fool is one who operates according to worldly wisdom. Fools operate according to the wisdom that James says is earthly or unspiritual, even demonic. Their source of wisdom is not from God. It comes from somewhere else. It might come from the best thinkings and gleanings of the human mind, disseminated through magazines in our modern world, internet, television, books, all kinds of things. But the source is not God himself. A fool's source of wisdom comes from somewhere else. A fool also does not acknowledge God and fools have not committed their life to trusting and, and, and relationally knowing God and placing their life under his authority. You know, there's a passage of scripture that says, the fool says in his heart, what? There is no God. Obviously, there's a person who not only does not acknowledge God, they obviously are not placing their, fully, their full trust in him or placing their life under his authority in any way. And fools, according to the Bible, have a basic disposition in life that's self-centered or selfish. I'm not saying everybody who is an unbeliever is a terrible person, but your your Locus, your focus in life is basically self-centered. It's, it's selfish. The fool pursues personal gain or getting ahead of the next person as the final objective in life. Not pleasing God, not honoring God, not glorifying him with their choices. The fool is contrasted with the one who is wise in Proverbs. So, just to summarize again, wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. Essentially, wisdom is living under the authority of God and God's word and the ability or even the skill to apply God's word to your life. That's what God wants us to pursue. That's what he's aiming at here in Proverbs three thirteen to 18. Now let's take up some objections to pursuing wisdom. Objection number one. Wisdom's fine if you have time for that kind of thing. But I'm pretty busy with my classes for school I'm pretty busy with building my career right now. I'm very busy raising my family and all that's involved with that. Or I'm busy enjoying my retirement. Wisdom is great and fine. I'll get to it when I have time. Objection number one. Isn't this objection really about our priorities? It's an, it, it's an objection concerning what's most important. With this objection, essentially what you're saying is, I know what my priorities are, 
And they take precedent over what God is saying in his word. Now, most of us would never put it like that, would we? <laughs> but that is exactly what we're saying. That's what we're feeling in our hearts. Now that sounds dangerously close to what the Bible calls a fool. Does it not? But more importantly with this objection, it actually misses the, the whole point of Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. And we don't want to miss the point to this. The Bible isn't pitting one thing against another. The Bible isn't pitting wisdom against education. The Bible isn't pitting wisdom against building a career or wisdom against raising a family or wisdom against uh, enjoying your retirement in any way. The point is that wisdom is the key that unlocks all the truly good things in life. So if you want to be truly successful in your education, pursue wisdom in your studies. Live under Jesus' lordship as you're studying, as you're in school, and learn to apply his word to what you're learning. Then you'll be truly successful as a student. If you want to be truly successful in building your career, pursue wisdom at your work. Pay attention to what Jesus has to say and what his word has to say about your work, about your attitudes at work, about how you relate to other people at work, about uh, honesty and integrity and so many other things. If you want to be successful truly successful at raising a family, pursue wisdom as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent. How does God's word impact the choices that you make with your kids? How does God's word impact the choices you make with your aging parents? How does God's word impact the choices you make with your entire family? And if you want to find true fulfillment in your retirement years, pursue wisdom while you enjoy that freedom from paid employment that is so long and coming and finally here. Setting aside the pursuit of wisdom while you go after these, other, these, these good and successful things in life, it's like saying... I'm going to paint that wall over there and I'm going to do it without using a brush, without using a roller, without using a sprayer, or without using whatever else type of device, William, that you use when you paint. <laughs> I'm just going to paint it. The end result is a pretty bad looking wall and a pretty bad looking painter probably in the end. That's objection number one. Objection number two. Wisdom is boring. It's no fun. I mean, man, it's fine for, wisdom is fine for people who don't really know how to have fun because they don't know how to do it and have fun anyway. So let them pursue wisdom. But I know how to have fun and that's what I'm about. I've got 
good news for you, if that's your objection. God's not opposed to having fun. God invented fun. He is the author of fun. He created you and me, did he not? And part of creating you and me is creating us for enjoyment, for entertainment, for amusement. That's part of what it means to be human. That wasn't your idea, by the way. That was God's idea. He invented fun. But, and there's a but in this, it dishonors God when we make fun our lowercase g, God. It dishonors God when fun becomes our God instead of the one true God. When fun is our God, then fun, the fun factor is the determining factor for everything. We're going to do something based on how far, up the, how far we can peg the fun meter in this activity. Wisdom, living and making choices in the light of God's truth, actually makes fun more fun than worldly fun. Did you follow me on that? In verse 17, I think, has something to help us here. Verse 17 says, Her, meaning wisdom, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Wisdom brings pleasantness or kindness. It's a little bit difficult word to translate there. It brings wholeness with yourself and with others. That word peace is a famous Hebrew word, shalom, there. All her ways are pleasantness, peace, shalom means wholeness with yourself, with others, with those around you, with the world. There's harmony and wholeness. The kind of fun that wisdom leads us to doesn't have fun at the expense of others. It doesn't destroy those things like peace and pleasantness and harmony and wholeness, the things that God intends. It, rather, it leads us into them. That's why I say that fun with wisdom is actually more fun than worldly fun. Objection number three. The pursuit of wisdom is great, but that's obviously for smart people, not for me. I'm not one that thinks about high and mighty things like wisdom and all that kind of thing. I'm just trying to make it one day at a time, grinding it out. Wisdom just doesn't factor into that. I'm not going to sit and pursue wisdom. Well, I've got good news for you also. Wisdom is intensely practical in the Bible. That's one reason people are drawn to the book of Proverbs. Biblical wisdom is quite distant from the professor in the halls of academia and much closer to the person who's just trying to grind it out one day at a time. The book of Proverbs, as an example, is about God's wisdom for all kinds of things. And I just kind of did a random quick sample as I prepared this of the, of the kinds of things that Proverbs has to offer us and to talk about. Offering God's wisdom for such things as how to be happy, 
successful relationships with others, choosing a spouse, honesty with others, when to speak and when not to speak, sexual temptation, finances, incurring debts, when to have a debt, when not to have a debt. Now, if any of these things that I just mentioned, and there are many more in Proverbs, if any of those things fit anywhere within your, I'm just trying to grind it out one day at a time, then wisdom is actually essential for you as you grind it out one day at a time. Wisdom isn't about how smart we are. It's not about your IQ level or about how quick your wit is, or it's not even about how much you know about a certain thing. It's really about your desire to please God by applying his truth to your life. And God, as the Bible says, looks at the heart. Wisdom is really about your desire to please God by applying his truth in your life. And there's a beautiful promise in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5. And you probably know this verse as well. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. As one writer said about this verse, it, this isn't a promise that if we pray to God, He's going to make us really smart. Don't misinterpret that. It is a promise from God, however, that if we desire to please God in life by applying his truth to life, he's going to help us do that. You can bank on that promise. That's objection number three. And the final objection Well, I've tried this thing called gaining wisdom or getting wisdom, but it doesn't work. I mean, I've tried to get wisdom, the kind of wisdom even that we're talking about here, biblical wisdom, making godly choices in life. I've tried it, but I'm not seeing the results that are promised here in this passage of Scripture. I mean, I can't point to anything that I've got now that's more valuable than silver or gold or precious jewels. Or maybe I'm sick with a disease that might actually take my life. Where's the long life promised in verse 16? It doesn't work. I'm not any richer than when I first started pursuing this wisdom thing. I thought I could just, according to the Bible here, I could just reach out and grab those riches right out of the left hand, wisdom's left hand. I mean, it's right there. I've tried this wisdom thing, but it just, it doesn't work. Well, this objection is really based on a very common misunderstanding of what Proverbs is all about and how to read Proverbs in an appropriate way. Proverbs is written to give God's people things that will stick in their minds to produce useful guidance when it's needed in life. The promises that we read about in this passage of Scripture and elsewhere in Proverbs, they're not meant 
to be hard and fast, absolute, unqualified promises. The blessings, the rewards, the opportunities that are talked about are likely to happen if we make the choices that are offered to us. If we make the wise choices, the wise attitude becomes, if, if, if the wise attitude is what we take into the situation. Let's just look at this, for example, from, with a modern example of a proverb, okay? I bet you could think of a lot of different proverbs if we had the time to do that, but I chose one. It may not be a great one, but a modern proverb is, example, you get what you pay for. Is everybody familiar with that saying? You've heard that before? You get what you pay for, right? I think we all know what that means. You get what you pay for is a short, catchy kind of saying that points to a general principle. That's exactly what Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, is all about. You get what you pay for is much more memorable than saying, when purchasing a lesser-priced product, one should not be disappointed to discover it is of inferior quality. Which one's a little easier to remember? You get what you pay for. That's the point. That's, that's the way Proverbs operates. Okay? It's not about precise lawyer language, legal language. It's about general principles for guidance. Now, you get what you pay for. Now, are there any exceptions to that? Have I ever purchased something dirt cheap that turned out to be like a really good quality product? Yeah. Light bulbs for my car. No, actually, those are very expensive when I wound up getting them. But you know what I'm saying. There are exceptions to the rule, but these are general principles. It's a true general principle. Now, in our passage, Proverbs 3, 13 to 18, wisdom is portrayed as a woman. Did you catch that? Wisdom is portrayed as this woman that possesses all these amazing benefits for us. This image is designed to, to produce a very vivid image in your mind or in the mind of the reader for, for memory purposes. That's all. Don't read anything more into the fact that wisdom is portrayed as a woman in this passage. It's a device to make it stick in your mind. The blessings that are mentioned here. They're not guarantees. They're not hard and fast promises that in every case, you just got to do this, 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 and you're going to get it. It doesn't work that way. These are general benefits that are likely to happen when you get wisdom. So the objection, I've tried wisdom and it just doesn't work, is really a misunderstanding of how to read and understand what God is saying here. So to wrap things up, wisdom is the ability to make godly choices. It's really placing our relationships, our decisions, our very lives in the light of God's word and acting accordingly. Unfortunately, wisdom isn't something that you just happen to find, like you find a quarter in the parking lot. It doesn't work that way. And, unfortunately, you can't buy wisdom off Amazon, and you can't find it in Walmart. And further, there's no app 
for wisdom for your smartphone that you can download either. Not the kind of wisdom the Bible's talking about. To get wisdom takes an intentional, committed decision to pursue it. But remember the promise God gives us. We're not alone. God says that when we apply ourselves to searching for wisdom, to getting it, he is going to help us and give it to us. That's the promise from James chapter 1. And if the Bible is true, the pursuit is going to be well worth it. Let's make 2019 a year of pursuing wisdom in a way perhaps deeper than we've ever done before. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we need your wisdom. Keep us free from the wisdom that comes from other sources. Help us discern when it's not of you. And help us to fully trust in your wisdom and to pursue it, leaning on your promise that you will help us. Thank you for the fact that you care so much about us, that you care about our everyday choices. May may they be pleasing and honoring to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.